Good morning, K2. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Derek Murphy. I'm one of the associate pastors here and uh, our director of Life Together. Uh, really good to have you here today on this Father's Day, in fact. And if you're a dad out there, I just want to say thank you for being there for your kids. Just just sticking around. I know it's not easy to be a dad. It's not easy to be a good dad. And we, we all get criticized, at least we, in our own head, right? It's, it's one of those things that's it's easy to think, oh man, I messed that up. And then if you go down that road long enough, it's like, man, I think my family might even be better if I wasn't around. I, I know that thought has come across my mind before. And I just want to say, stick in the game. It's important that you're there for your kids, for your family, I just want to say happy Father's Day, and I'm so glad that you're with us this morning to be a part of this message. We're going to be going through this message called Curb Your Appetite, which uh, Kat just did a great job telling the story of Jacob and Esau, and specifically um, the story of Esau selling his birthright. And if any of you are even identified a little bit with what I was saying about fathers and how our head can get in the wrong space, right? This is what happens with Esau. We get to actually witness a picture of him heading down a path that's not really good for him in the long run, especially. He makes a short-term trade for long-term pain, right? And so we're going to get a, a second in just a second, we're going to go into that. And like I said, this message is curb your appetite. And I don't know about you, But during the coronavirus season, I've been working from home. And so when I'm at home, I'm like 15 steps away from the pantry and the fridge. And it's really easy for me because I have access to just eat all throughout the day. And especially my my vices, my go-tos, I don't know if you're with me, but I love, I love me some boom chicka pop. I mean, I try to keep off of sugar, but this is my sugar vice, right? It's like sugar, carbs, everything all rolled into one, boom, chicka, pop. And I get the huge bags from Costco, right? And, and then my other vice is cold cereal. I, I could eat cold cereal for every meal. And it's easy just because <clears throat> I'm close to, to just take part in that. I've actually had to add into my spiritual discipline some extra fasting days just to try to keep myself in some sort of shape during the during the coronavirus season. So this is a hard thing for any of us to do, right? To, to curb our appetite, to say no when we should, right? It's, it's hard to do with food and it's hard to do with all sorts of things. And so <clears throat> we see this happen with Esau, but he's doing it with something that is called his birthright. We see that in this story, right? He actually sells his birthright. So we, we get this picture into this moment in which a lot of things are hanging in the balance. In fact, we see in the scriptures, we see these, these times where it says, I am the God. God is saying, I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. And I'm the God of whatever the name that comes next it hangs in the balance of what Esau decides to do in the midst of this story right here. And we know what happens. We know where the story goes. But it was actually this moment in history that, some of us, I think, have moments like this, where this might have been the, the worst moment of Esau's life. And it's like it, it got captured in the annals of history and written down, and we all get to experience it. I know that you have a moment in your life where you kind of are happy uh, that it didn't get caught on videotape or put on Facebook. Or maybe you're happy that Facebook didn't even exist at that moment. Uh, I have one of those stories <clears throat> where my wife and I, we, we, 
when we met and we had our, we had our first kiss. It wasn't when we first met, but we had our first kiss. Uh, I was going in. She knew I was coming. Uh, and so it wasn't that. She, she, she knew I was coming, but she, she was expecting something different. She was looking for a little peck. And I was, I think, going for a full makeout session at this moment. <laughs> My mouth might have been opened a little bit bigger than, than hers. And so we go in, and it's just, it's just wrong from the start. You know, we, we actually went and had our, our very first kiss as a second kiss. That's the one we like to, you know, if you could put a picture and frame it on the wall of your first kiss, that's, that's the one. This first one was a train wreck. I'm so happy that nobody caught it on videotape. But this is what we see happening here when Esau sells his birthright. There's, there's just a train wreck happening. And I think it's a train wreck that we can actually learn something from. Now, a birthright for many of us doesn't really mean anything. Like, what is that? Uh, like for, for Jacob to be the firstborn rather than Esau being the firstborn. And, and I think it, it's a big deal in the ancient culture here that we, we see. That is actually a birthright doesn't only mean that you're going to take on your father's name. It means that you're actually going to inherit two-thirds of the wealth of your father. So no matter how many kids uh, a dad has, two-thirds of the wealth go to the oldest, and the rest of the third it gets split up between the rest of the children, right? And not only that, the, the, it's also a position of status. The, the person who is the, the firstborn that has the birthright, they, they get to be judge over that household, Right? So you get to make the decisions for the, all the rest of your siblings on what's right, what's wrong within your house. Right? We, we know that if Esau hadn't done this, he actually could have bought as many bowls of red lentil stew as he ever wanted to as soon as his father passed away and he took over as head of the household. Not only that, he, he is leaving behind the legacy of, of what he would be carrying on. He'd be carrying on the line of Abraham. So when he gives up his birthright, he's starting his own family. And he has to make a name for himself now. So all these things, a lot of a steep price of cash and prizes and power and position and status go into buying this one bowl of red lentil stew. Now there's a, uh, a professor at Princeton University who said it this way, <clears throat> Esau had bartered what was unique and irreplaceable for material good in which there were a number of available substitutes. This is what Esau did. And not only that, there, it's, it's, there was a number of available substitutes, but there were also, this was also a very temporary substitute, right? It was a temporary way in which he fed that appetite that's so hard for us to curb, right? And so the, there's an author in the book, in the, in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, who talks about this, this decision that Esau make, and he actually calls that decision godless. And we've been going through the book of Hebrews, specifically chapter 12. And so I'm going to jump into that section of scripture. This is our main passage of scripture for today out of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 16 and 17. It says, See that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. He could not change what he had done. Now you've heard the term, no pain, no gain. This is like the inverse, right? The, the idea of no pain, no gain is if you do something hard now, it will actually pay off in freedom 
later, right? But this is the opposite of that. When you do something easy now, then you're going to have to pay for it in pain down the road. So short-term gain, long-term pain. And like I said, the author of Hebrews called this godless. The reason the author of Hebrews calls this godless is because Dave's been saying the, the thing that we're holding fast to, that's what the series title is, hold fast. We're holding fast to the hope of the gospel. That's what we're holding fast to, right? And what hope gives us is hope gives us actually this belief, faith is what the author of Hebrews says. This is this belief that God can actually do something down the road that we can't even imagine right now. God can do something down the road that we can't even imagine right now. God always does great things in his timing. And so it's godless to do something like what Esau did because what we're doing is we're actually taking matters into our own hands and we're doing things in our timing. We're making ourselves like God and that's godless, right? Because we are not God. <clears throat> so let's walk through this story because I think there, if we break it down, we can learn a lot and maybe save ourselves some pain down the road, right? So the first thing is this. Esau, in the end of this story, he walks into the tent, right? He walks into the tent of Jacob, his brother, and, and he, he sees this, this red lentil stew. But, but it says, makes a comment, that he is exhausted because he's been out, he's been hunting. And it doesn't tell us how long he's actually been hunting, but it could have been a week, could have been a month, it could have been a day, I don't know, but it says he is exhausted, Right? And so uh, I think one thing we can learn from this is my first point. We make bad decisions when we're tired. Again, that's my first point today. We make bad decisions when we're tired. And this is called decision fatigue. Actually, uh, the, it's awesome when psychology catches up with scripture. Right, And that's what happened here. Decision fatigue is when you're tired and there's a decision in which there is a positive and a negative outcome. If you have two of those to make between, then it's hard to distinguish which one is the best. Now, we all, even when we're tired, we have an, an easy time deciding when there's a positive and just an, a negative. So he either, Derek, choose between having this bowl of ice cream or choosing getting hit in the head with this hammer. Oh, every single person with the brain is going to choose the ice cream, right? That's easy. Now, the thing that happens here is there's two decisions. One is this, decision number one for Esau, eat and drink now. And lose your birthright. So there's a positive, eat and drink now, lose your birthright, it's a negative. Then decision number two, keep your birthright. That's the positive. The negative is go an undetermined amount of time continuing to be hungry, continuing to feel like you're starving, right? So those are the two decisions that he's faced with. And we do not make good decisions when we're tired, right? And so what we see here is something that happened to me as well. Like I've done this, I don't know how many times, um, but I went to go buy a car with my wife and we were living in Eastern Washington at the time in Pullman. And uh, in order to get to the place where we were going to look at this car, we had to drive up to Spokane, Washington. It's a two hour drive. I'd worked all day. We hadn't eaten dinner. We get to the car place. I'm already tired from a whole long day, two hours drive. I get there and I just want to already be home. Right. And, uh, we, we, we look at this car, we go on a test drive. It's okay. It's okay. I don't really love it. My wife loved it though. And I'm like, okay. Like at this point I decide, let's just, whatever, let's just get the car. Like, 
I don't have the, I don't have the patience for this. Like, no matter that this this dealership was kind of a shady used car dealership, and then you go through all that process, and and then we 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 spend a little bit too much on it than we probably should have as well. And then at the end of it all, like we were there for like at least two hours going through this buying car buying process, and they're at the very end of it, they want to like sell you a warranty, and I'm like, ah, I don't want the warranty, but. Let's just do it. You know, like you're too tired to make good decisions. Or at least that was for me. And, and my wife and I have decided it, it, this was probably the most, the worst financial decision we've ever made because the car ended up not being a great car for us. Like we just made all these compromises along the way. The, the warranty never worked out for us. Like, why did we buy that thing? I have no clue. Well, I do now. It's decision fatigue, right? And I can tell you that this is what's happening in this story because you walk in, Esau walks into the tent and he says he's going to starve to death. What good is my birthright if I starve to death? Well, I don't know how long it takes to starve to death, but I'm pretty sure it's not four minutes, right? He could have gone and he could have gotten some other substitute. He could have found something to eat somewhere in his camp. Now, here's the wisdom real quick. If you are tired, if you've gone through a hard time, if you've been going through something hard at work uh, and you're just fatigued right now, or you've gone through a trauma in your life, right now may not be a good time to make a big decision. We do not make good decisions when we're tired. Don't make any major decisions right now. Now, our culture is a culture that likes to go full throttle, right? We love to go fast pace. In fact, we, we wear it as a badge of honor on our chest when we, we're going quick. And we like to tell people we're busy. We like to tell people when we're working 60, 70, 80 hour work weeks, because it's, it's, a, it's a sign of pride. I'm getting stuff done, right? But we're hustling. We're running quick. And what happens is that we're always running at a pace that's just making us tired. You know, 240 years ago when the light bulb was invented. It changed everything for us because before that, the average person actually slept 11 hours per night. 11 hours! Like, that's three hours more than the recommended amount of sleep right now. And then most of us aren't getting that. Like, we're getting five or six hours of sleep, maybe. We're tired and we're running around like we're crazy. And we'd never make good decisions when we're tired. There's an author named Leonard Sweet, and he says, warp speed can actually warp our soul. And we actually see that here when Esau sells his birthright. Warp speed, when he comes into the tent exhausted, it's warped his soul in one way here, is that it actually made him forget who he's, whose he was, right? The fact that he is the son of the oldest son of Isaac, his father. He didn't know who he was. What good is my birthright to me if I starve to death? He wasn't making good decisions. Like I said, none of us make good decisions when we're tired. We need rest. Some of you might need to just stop here today in this message, and that's all you need to take from today. Is you need a rest. It's one of the reasons why I think God implemented the Sabbath. He gave the Sabbath to a group of people who were coming out of Egypt who had just spent seven days a week 
and backbreaking labor. And their only value was how many bricks they could make in a day. And if they didn't make enough, they'd get whipped, right? And God's saying, hey, take a day, take a whole day off. Not just a couple hours, like take a whole day off. You're not valued to me by how much you produce. That's not how you make your value in my economy and in my kingdom. Take a rest. In fact, when we hustle, the funny thing is it's hard to break God's laws because when we hustle and we hurry and we do all these things, we think we're producing and we're making things happen. We actually don't do anymore. There's, there's a, a study out of the University of Stanford that came out last year in 2019. And it says that those who work more than 50 hours, once you work 50 hours, you actually, you, there's a sharp decrease in the amount of productivity that you have. It's just the case. And those who work 55 hours actually don't, don't uh, show as much productivity as those who work 70 plus hours. So when you're working long, long hours every day, you're not actually doing more. You can't break God's law. He wants us to take a rest, to stop. I don't know what you need. You might need just to make a schedule, like stop working so much. You might want to quit something. I know Carrie last week, she mentioned Bob Goff. He says every week he quits something. I think that's really cool. I don't do that enough. But when we run at warp speed, what we need is we need a pick-me-up. We need a hit. We need a substitute. We need something to give us a release, a distraction, an outlet. And when we do that, it could be something as benign as a Red Bull or too much coffee. Or it could be one too many beers. Or it could be going to that site again. Or something that's much, much worse, like replacing something that's irreplaceable with something that's just temporary and fleeting, right? So we make good decisions when we're rested. We make bad decisions when we're tired. Well, it leads me to my next point is that sin, point number two, sin always knows our weakness. Sin always knows our weakness. And that comes out of the story in which Esau walks into the tent. He's exhausted. And his brother, whose name means deceiver, um, Jacob, has this stew ready. It's almost like he knew his brother's favorite food, right? And it's red lentil stew. I don't think it's an accident that the scriptures actually give us the specific name of what this food was. It was, it could have just, the the author Moses could have just written anything in here. Oh, he he walked in and he was starving and Jacob had a big spread laid out on the table. No, he didn't, it didn't say that. It said he had red lentil stew ready, right? I think we all have a red lentil stew because I know we're here in church, but sin, sin is tempting, man. Like sin, sin calls our name. We all have hungers and desires. We're like a big ball of desires. And we, we, we're looking for ways in which to satisfy those desires, right? It's calling our name. We're hungry and we want something to fill that void, to feed our appetites, Right? So what is your red lentil stew? That's the question for today. You know, this, this passage gives us one, and Hebrews gives us one that many of us may struggle with, and that is sexual immorality, right? It's a struggle. It's a desire that all of us have, right? It's a desire. It's a, it's a hunger that we have, and it's an area in which I have to curb my appetite because I know 
that one trip to that pot of stew and my relationship with my wife, Bree, is fractured. It's just never going to be the same. And I, it's Father's Day, okay? I don't want to be standing in front of my kids someday and to tell them, ah, your dad, his hungers were too big. That's the reason why you grew up without me. That's the reason why you don't have a dad. My hunger was too big. No, no, no. In fact, that's one of those things where it's such a high price where it, I would take something as a very much substitute that's temporary, that's fleeting, and trade it for something so irreplaceable as my marriage? No, that, that's not going to happen. I have to set up some guardrails, okay? So I, I don't go on trips. I don't go uh, to, to conferences or anything by myself. And if I do go by myself, I know I'm going to, to go see my family, and I'm not going to be by myself once I arrive, right? So that just doesn't happen. And as a church, just so you know, we have a policy in, in place that it says, hey, you, you don't travel with the opposite sex alone. Like if, I, if there's a staff member and we both have a meeting with somebody else on the other side of town, we're going to get in separate cars and drive there. Now, that might sound dumb. That might sound expensive to you. But you know what's expensive? is divorce. That's expensive, right? It's like I'm not going to take a chance with my marriage. Because here's the deal. Is that we fall to our appetites when weakness and opportunity align. That's, that's just the reality. I go and eat boom chicka pop and cold cereal because I'm within 15 feet of the pantry. We fall to our appetites when weakness and opportunity align. It's just the reality of what happens. So you can't be 15 feet away from the thing that's your red lentil stew. I know some of my friends who have decided to get rid of their smartphone and go with a dumb phone. And man, I have huge amount of respect for them because they've realized that is my red lentil stew and I'm not going to eat from that pot anymore. I'm done with it. And they found a ton of freedom and given up something that they thought was giving them value and saying, nope, that's not valuable to me at all. Like that is cool. Or getting off Facebook. Some of you, there's a temptation there. I don't know what it, I mean, but you know, you just need to get off of it. Get off of it. It's, it's not worth it. It's time to set up some guardrails, right? <clears throat> because this is what happened with Esau. His weakness and opportunity lined up for him, and he took it. Hook, line, and sinker. He had a brother that probably should have been looking out for him, but his name was Deceiver. <laughs> and so his brother was wanting to take him down, right? And we have a deceiver who wants to take us down all the time. There's a target on our back, and he's looking for ways to bring us down. And so our hungers, uncurbed, unchecked, they're hurting us. They're hurting us all the time. And so I don't know, what is your red lentil stew? For some of you, it might be this thing of sexual appetite. Uh, I looked up the data this week and I found out that 96% of us men have looked at pornography in the last six months, but 80% of us have looked at it in the last week. And I don't say that because I'm trying to make you feel shame or guilt. I get it. Sin is tempting, right? It's not that. It's, it's that you got to set some guardrails up for that. It's, it's just not okay. We keep going to that pot, right? Or it might, be, it might be money, accumulation. I was just talking to one of my friends today, and this is his red lentil stew. 
He set up his whole world to be secure, to find that security. And in doing so, he, he is not lined up with the, the lifestyle that Jesus wants for him. He just realizes that he's not as generous as he wants to be. And he wants to change that life. Or maybe you've been taking those pills for that injury, that back injury or that leg injury or something. And you know, it's probably been a little bit too long. And you're going there. I just want to say, don't feel shame and guilt. We all have red lentil stew, right? Just, you got to name it. You got to name it. Not only that, is it's not just naming it. It's like, you got to name it and then tell somebody about it, right? What are your guardrails? That's, that's maybe an even more important than what your red lentil stew is because we all have that idea of what our red lentil stew is. We've been having one too many, too many times, right? And our, we got to have somebody to talk to. Like, as a church, for the last two years, three years maybe, we've been working into a pathway to become a church that's more about relational discipleship. And the reason being is because this is the way that transformation happens in our life, is there, when we engage with God and his word and his scriptures, but we don't just do it by ourselves. we actually get into community. Like Rachel was just talking about the fact that we need more Life Together leaders, because we don't have enough community. We don't have enough opportunity to get everybody plugged in. You might be doing that. But even more than that, like I, in my Life Together group, I don't say what my red lentil stew is, to be honest. But it's with my guys. I've got a few guys I meet with every week, and they ask me how I'm doing, and they expect me to tell them what's going on in my life. And, and they know if I'm saying BS. It's just the truth. Like they know when, when I'm not being honest and they call me on it and I need that in my life. And so if you don't have that, you need that. You need somebody you can come to, you can talk to that will tell you the truth. We don't like the truth, but we need the truth. We need somebody who's gonna love us and tell us the truth. So if you don't have that, we'll talk about that more moving forward. But here's the thing is that our red lentil stew isn't always sinful. <laughs> Here's the deal. Is that our red lentil stew is often good things. It's often just good things gone wrong. It's not always a poisoned pot, right? It's, it's, it's not that our hunger is bad. Let me just give you two quick points. Hunger becomes sin when we trade the good things for the great things. That's what Esau did. He traded his birthright for a bowl of stew. That's not a great thing to trade for, right? It's a dumb decision. Number two, hunger becomes sin when we treat the great things carelessly, right? When we treat the great things carelessly. God wants us to experience the best, like sex, food, drink, all given by God for us to enjoy, right? Look, like, I don't know where you're at right now. You might be actually out camping on this Father's Day weekend, watching this on your smartphone. I don't know. Maybe you have a window. Look outside right now. Like, look and see the beauty of the creation. Like God gave us these gifts to enjoy. Like he doesn't want to keep that from us. He wants us to experience the best possible. He didn't write the Bible just so, he, he didn't write the whole Bible just so he could say no, right? Did he, if he did, he would have like given us just a post-it, post-it note with the word no on it. Like he, he actually has nuance in this, but he wants us to experience his best. And his best comes when we, when we actually live in his timing, right? right? And we wait on him. We have hope 
in the gospel. We have faith that God's way is actually better than our way. And he wants the best for you. If you doubt that, he did create sex, okay? Holy cow, that's awesome. He just wants the best sex life for you, right? And, he, he, and the, the research is out on this. Those who are married for a lifetime have the best sex. It's the truth. It's just the truth. Which leads me to my third point. If you sell that thing that's irreplaceable, if you sell that thing that's irreplaceable, you're going to end up despising it. It's just the truth of what happens. We see that here. Esau came into the tent. He saw the red lentil stew. He sat down. He ate the stew, the bread. He drank the wine. He walked out of the tent and he despised his birthright is what it says. If you give up on the best that God has for you, you're going to end up hating it. It's the truth, right? The problem is we're never going to be satisfied than what, than the, than, than what God has for us. The best for God has, has for us is the only thing that will satisfy us. It's, it's the way he made the world, right? He made us with a specific plan and design, and he wants to see that actual, actualized in your life. That's the truth about what God says. And he, he said it well in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, in Matthew 5, 6, said this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I, I've been studying righteousness as I was studying the book of Hebrews. And what righteousness is, I think you may have heard Dave said this, is when everything is as it should be. Right? When everything is as it should be. And so what it does is if, we, if we're actually hungering and thirsting for everything to be ordered the way in which God made it, like you're going to be filled and satisfied. But if you're hungering and thirsting for just your own appetites to be filled, you're never going to be satisfied. It's always going to leave you wanting. The problem is, is that we keep putting our stinking hand into that big pot of red lentil stew, right? It's like God has the best for us, but we keep going back to that red lentil stew. And eventually it's like, we just want to give up. It's like, I just, I, I can't see anything other than this pot in front of me. I keep eating from it and I don't really like it anymore, but it's there. I can't even see the thing that I had planned before. It's been cut out of my life because I despised it. I want to say that it's not time to give up. Because of sin, because of shame, because of guilt, like the word of God says that God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. This story, this story was written for us to look at and just incredulously say, who would do that? Like Esau literally, get this, he literally sold his birthright, everything that comes with this. Like in the, in the book of Matthew, when Jesus, the, earlier in this book, when Jesus was born, it says this, the Messiah came in the line of Abraham, Isaac, and it could have been Esau right here. Like this is what he sold, a legacy, a name, all of that. He gave it up, but you don't have to. Like God put this story in our scriptures so that we could learn from it. And he says, hey, it's not too late. Stop despising your birthright. Stop despising it. Like, I, I actually can redeem you. 
And in the scripture in James 5, verses 13 through 16, it says, is any one of you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer and faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. My brother, when he was a kid, he had leukemia. And my parents called the elders of the church to pray for him and anoint him with oil. Why wouldn't we do something different when our soul is sick? We need to pray for each other. And, and right now, I, I hope that you'll take a, a minute and pray with me because like, God is ready and he's waiting for you to come to him and to say, God, I'm done. Like, I don't want this red lentil stew anymore. I want a different way. And so I just want to direct you in some prayer at this moment. If you would, if you would take a second, wherever you're at, maybe get on your knees. I would love that if we could get on our knees together and pray for God to come into our lives at this moment. Let's pray. God, we're sitting here. Lord, some of us literally are on our knees, God, and we're just asking you for, for strength, Lord, to overcome. Lord, we need healing. Lord, we are sick. We're sick people who continually give up what is irreplaceable for a temporary substitute. God, help us curb our appetite. We know your word says that no one is righteous. No, but God, we want righteousness. We want to be filled with that. So God, I just pray you would take this thing that we've been holding on to. God, we've all been thinking about this red lentil stew. What's your stew? Just pray you would put that stew in your hands and you just hand it over to God right now. Let him take it from you. God, take it from us. We don't want it anymore. God, break our our hearts. God, we, we want a different way of life. Lord, we want your way of life. We don't want to live a godless way anymore. Lord, we don't want to follow in the footsteps of Father Esau. Lord, we want to follow in the footsteps of Israel. Lord, we want to to be faithful to you, God. So God, I, I just pray too, Lord, that it isn't enough just to say I'm done with it because we know our guardrails are off. Lord, we don't, we can't stop. So God, we need not only your forgiveness, Lord, I just pray that right now as we're sitting here, you would give us somebody's name. Lord, somebody that we can trust. Lord, put that name into our mind. Who can I actually be honest with about what my red lentil stew is? Lord, I pray that you would just give us these ideas because James earlier says, if we lack wisdom, we can ask you and you give it to us without finding fault. So God, just bless us with that right now. Lord, thank you. Lord, we love you. Thank you for giving us freedom. Lord, we want to walk in your ways of righteousness. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, I just want to say, if God gave you a name, like, don't wait. It's too much to wait. Go, go, like, take out your phone right now. I don't have my phone on me. Take out your phone. 
text that person and say, hey, can we meet up? Even if it's on Zoom, I don't care. Like get together with them this week, set up a time. We want you to have a life that's free. Like that's free, like curb that appetite. We need help in order to get there. Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. If you like have just given your life to Christ for the first time, we're gonna sing this song called Come to the Altar. And it's not too late to give your life to Christ today. We're having a baptism service next week. Go online and sign up. We'd love for you to take that step of faith of surrendering your life to Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection.